Let's say it's maybe a good protection for Chinese people to say something. Yeah. Let's say it's maybe a good way to protect ourselves, especially Chinese. Something bad, such as videos, some, some bad things, pornographer, uh, uh, that's so many. So as this one foreign friend told me that. So they think maybe it's a good way, but from my personal perspective, especially when I write in my graduate paper this year, yeah, I'm a senior now. So when I have VPN, I go to the Google and I find a new world. <laughs> Hey friends in Chinese, my name is Robert Vinson, and uh, thank you for listening and tuning in to the first Higher Frequency podcast episode. Um, this particular episode, I went to China, and I was able to sit down and have a discussion with some students from uh, the Model United Nations, or English Department, or the Model United Nations organization, and uh, some English um, students over there. Well, they were Chinese, but they were, you know, English majors. And uh, the diplomatic conversation, we touched on um, a lot of topics regarding, like, intellectual property, North Korea, and a whole bunch of other stuff um, that I'll let, you, I'll let you listen and get into that. I just wanted to make this quick intro just to uh, kind of preface um, the episode and uh, saying that we... Jump from subject to subject sporadically, um, which is not ideal. It's not the way I wanted to do the podcast, but I wanted to give everyone um, their turn, you know, a fair share of uh, time to speak. And uh, we actually had a, quite a few people in the room, uh, and everyone had different, you know, views, and um, were bring bringing in different uh, comments from you know, whatever sources they had, and so uh, I definitely wanted to clear up a few things before we get into it. Um, and also, before we get into the podcast, I just want to say that this particular episode is sponsored by the Chinese central government, and <laughs> I'm not saying that uh, they were watching over us or anything, but there was a few things um, I was warned about, like not I shouldn't say or should not talk about, from the students and uh and during this episode I went and edited out some names of the students so um they could they could you know talk freely and uh be able to support their own ideas without um without any repercussions occurring um because god forbid that uh some of these students who were amazing to us and very hospitable got in trouble for an idea that they had. Um, but that's partially why I wanted to make this intro. Um, it makes me proud that I can be here in America and say whatever I want. And whereas in uh, whenever we were over there, we definitely had to stray away from several topics, um, several topics being the South China Sea and island building, um, communist versus capitalist societies they basically just didn't want us comparing the two but um 
I mean, they could pretty much see, you know, what's going on. They have Hong Kong there. They know they know how well Hong Kong's doing. And I mean, there's Pizza Hut and McDonald's right across the street. So I mean, it's it's there. They know what's happening. That's one for capitalists. That's just me. Um, another thing that they didn't want to talk about about was uh, Tiananmen Square and that whole massacre there, which which is very awkward whenever you uh, you are actually at Tiananmen Square and you're seeing that picture of Mao. And you're like, you know, a bunch of people probably died here. <laughs> Not even probably, they did. They totally died there. <laughs> so that was very, uh, that was very interesting and kind of awkward. Um, some guards came up to us and were like, "You can't take pictures." <laughs> took took our camera. Not, they took our cameras away, but they gave them back. And they were like, "You can't really, uh, can't really do that. We don't want you taking pictures here." I happen to uh, have in possession a picture of Mao with puppy dog ears and a puppy dog tongue because I opened the Snapchat filter. So I have that. That's one for me. Um, let's see. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a few things that we couldn't touch on, but I was happy to not touch on those just to, uh, keep, keep their future careers or their, their scholarships intact and, uh, just be respectful to those students. But I really wish I could have touched on I really wish we had more time because we have we had a lot of topics that we could have went off on um so my take backs from China um the five spice tofu very smelly um the street food there um if it wasn't smelly it was really good like I had some spicy chicken and you just can't get that stuff in the states but the five spice tofu allegedly was what was smelling up some of the places and that stuff smelled straight like shit like there's no getting around it that was either they were cooking with the gutter oil that i've been hearing about or it was really the five spice tofu that was just uh overwhelmingly just a stench that you would you you don't smell it here in america you really don't so it's kind of like it's kind of like okay is that what I've been hearing about, or are you guys actually cooking something that smells bad but tastes good, which is what they were telling us, but I'm not so sure, and there was no way to find out. Um, another thing, uh, in the podcast, we talk about intellectual property and stuff like that, and let me tell you, <laughs> there are a lot of knockoff brands there, and whenever I say knockoffs, I mean like upside down Nike logos with like a little thing on the end of it, and they're like, these are these are shoes, these are, <laughs> these are Nikes, but they're not, or uh, New Balance, they had a lot of New Balances, and you know what, they probably have a surplus of product there, so they're just making new shoes and just selling them, they got a lot of people too, so they buy them, you know, I don't get it, I don't get why they uh, put such an emphasis on, um, like, copyright, they, they really do put an emphasis on, like, song and, like, movie copyright, but when it comes to intellectual property, they have no problem stealing that from, from like American companies and stuff, just ask Google or Facebook, you know, um, although they do have WeChat, I'm telling you, WeChat and Tencent, they have something going on, I'm definitely buying stock in that, um, that's like Facebook, Venmo, um, Tinder, (laughs) we had a guy hit on a girl, he was like walking behind us, and he like saw her on WeChat and saw how close he, I guess he figured it out, who she was, and he, like, messaged her, and he was, like, walking right behind us. I'm like, oh, my God, we got a, he had a Kobe Bryant shirt on, so we should have knew something was up. <laughs> Go Celtics. Um, all right, so 
I don't want to take too long in this intro. Um, I had to re-edit that or re-edit it because I took way too long the first time. Also, I put White Snake, Here I Come Again, as the intro song. That's that's probably not a good thing. I was just so pumped up. I was like, man, this is my first episode. I got I to gotta start off strong. It was too long. It was too much. I took it out. Um, oh, a couple other things. Um, we get in on the podcast. Uh, we were talking about Facebook and stuff like that, how it's blocked in China. The Great Firewall, if you haven't heard of it, um, prevents people from going on Google and other websites and uh, Facebook. And during the uh, podcast and also during like some conversations after and before, there was this uh, preconceived notion that Facebook had like child porn all over it. And I don't know about you guys, but I haven't seen any child porn on my Facebook feed. And if there was, I would definitely report it. So I, I told them that's probably more of a dark web thing. And they had never heard of the dark web. And I'm like, okay. So listen, <laughs> there is an iceberg, and that is the internet. What what Americans know as the internet is like the tip of the iceberg. And what you guys know as the internet is like almost the very tip, and like what the North Koreans see as the internet, that's like a chip off the tip, all right? And uh, they're like, oh my gosh. So the younger people kind of grasp how, how important this is, but the old, older people just kind of go along with it. It's... You know, it's kind of like how here in America, um, back whenever gay marriage was a thing, the younger generations were more um, apt to accept it and bring it, you know, into our society and uh, be accepting of it. Whereas the older generations were like, why? Well, you know, they were more apprehensive towards the towards the uh, idea of it being legal or it being a thing. And I'm not I'm not trying to bring that up or anything. I'm just saying that's. That's an example of a generation bringing something into fruition that the older generation could have done without. It's kind of like, you know, older people with their technology as well. They really don't care that much. You know, they just go about their everyday lives. They're workers, and uh, they're not worried about the Internet that much. They, You know, the Internet works fine to them. But the younger generation definitely sees that there's something more to the Internet, and they definitely want to. And that's why I played that little clip in the beginning. Um, where she said when she opens up Google and uses her VPN, which is illegal in China, but they do it anyway, when she opens up Google and types in you know, something to search, it's a whole new world because she can find stuff about her state and about other states that aren't on their Baidu search or aren't filtered out by their great firewall, you know, so... It's a it's a good thing that this technology is out there, but it's scary that it's illegal at the same time. And uh you know, China's becoming more and more pr- progressive, and I hope that uh one day we can get past this great firewall. Um and and uh just have have more of an open dialogue with these students because the dialogue was great and I thoroughly enjoyed talking to each and every one of these these students and uh they were very very hospitable to all of us and uh we made great friends and uh, i still talk to some of them to this day um and it's been a few months after after i've gotten back okay uh let me see if there's anything else to go over oh okay so put yourself in china right or just put yourself in uh 
in a park, all right? Anywhere. You're just walking along, you know, whistling. Wow, it's a beautiful day outside. And then you just stepped in some dog shit. That is so annoying. You got to go to get a stick, maybe find some water, just wipe it off. Okay. In China, a form of potty training um, that they practice, um, all the babies have slits in their pants. Maybe not all of them, but a lot of the babies have slits in their pants and their diapers. And (laughs) what they'll do is when they have to pee, if they're just out in public, they would just squat down and take a little piss right there. (laughs) And... I saw a couple of them uh, pop little dookies on the sidewalk. And you know what? Good. That's that's fine. That's that's different. But if I know that I stepped in dog shit, I have a bad day. Uh, maybe not a whole bad day, but it definitely halts me from getting to my next uh, getting to my next location. You know, I definitely got to stop, clean that up, because I'm starting to smell. Is that you? Is it you that smells? No, that's me. Oh, I got shit on my shoe. Oh, there's dog shit. No, there's baby human shit on my shoe. I got to take care of that. I got to take care of that right now. I will say that it was a lot cleaner than I thought it would be. Just just seeing uh, that that's a thing there, you would think you'd see a lot more of it because baby shit all the time. Like I got a nephew. I got I have a niece. They shit all the time. So, you know, it's it's like... China has a billion people, what, you know, how many billions of people? Um, <laughs> so you would think it would be more prevalent, but I guess the government pays the uh, street cleaner as well, or maybe they just pay them, and uh, that's a thing there, so they clean it up. So it wasn't that bad. Um, only stepped in it once, clean it off, still have the pair of shoes. It's not bad. But, uh, yeah, other than that, um, the cities that we went to um, – they were huge, man. Like, you see American skylines, and, you know, in the middle is pretty big, and then it kind of tapers off on each side. On this, it's kind of like you took a wide-lens camera, even if you took a wide-lens camera, and you took a shot of the city skyline, and it is straight across. Huge. Because that's how they live. There's people stacked upon... They, they live upwards, like high-rise buildings everywhere. And it was just amazing to be able to see... This, a city of like that magnitude like i think they said chongqing had like 32 million people living there or something like that like how do you do that mm-hmm. absolutely massive guys um but anyway we'll get to the episode um thank you for tuning in and uh you know send feedback my way um i wish we could have got uh got a little bit more into north korea but we had to we had to stop um, because the building was closing. I didn't want us to get kicked out. I didn't want anyone to get in trouble or anything. Let me see. Let me see. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Yeah, we're good. All right. Enjoy the episode and uh, send feedback, guys. I'm open to anything. Um, thank you guys for listening, first of all. All right. Have a, have a good time. Three, two, one. tuned in to a higher frequency.
Hello, everyone listening. Welcome to the first episode of the Higher Frequency Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Vinson, and your co-host, Davis Wood, is all the way back in America because we are in Chongqing, China. And uh, let me just set the scene for you. Um, a couple, uh, well, more than a couple, about five or six American students have hiked up a mountain to join some Chinese students to hold a discussion in a Chinese classroom. Uh, Basil, squeak your... Uh, Share a little bit, just so you know. Yeah, so, so just to just to let you know what the scene's looking like, um, we have one mic. We'll be passing it around and uh, just having a discussion um, about different topics that uh, these students from Chongqing have about America and politics. And we have questions about the Chinese politics too, as well. So it's going to be a free and open discussion, and uh, that's just the format of it. And the desks are centered kind of like you would see at the uh, DMZ in North Korea and South Korea. <laughs> it, um, it's way more official than I thought it was going to be, but I love it. And this will be a great first episode of, of the podcast. I hope you guys enjoy. Um, so starting off, it's been a great four or five days here in China. Um, we visit Chongqing. And the city is nothing like I imagined uh, it would be. It's so big. Uh, people tell me it's the biggest city here in the world with 32 million people. We've seen uh, the big parts of the city. We've seen the rural parts, um, Buddhist temples, and even <coughs> even caves and caverns. So um, that's good. Uh, Ed, anything uh, you've uh, noticed about China that you've... Uh, I don't know, did not expect, or anything you liked, anything you didn't like? No, well, starting off, uh, this is uh, personally my, my 11th country I've traveled to, so I'd like to think that I've been uh, somewhat around the world, uh, and China is something that I would not expect. Uh, first of all, it's, it's much more green than I thought it was going to be. I think we, all American students can agree that it's very, very green. The scenery, the city, as big as it is, and so many people it holds, uh, there's still a lot of uh, gardens and, and parks. Uh, a lot of locals like to visit, and they take very much pride in their greenery. Um, just in general, the the atmosphere is much more. Uh, I don't know. It was it was just a culture shock uh, coming from a Western perspective, and now being here is it's been very, very interesting. Yeah. The uh, culture here is very much alive and well, and uh, it, w it would be odd for some people to think that f coming from the United States and rural parts of the United States especially, um, to think that China would have such a uh, vibrant lifestyle. Um, you also see a lot of gardens, which uh, you don't see a lot in the United States. You do see farmlands in the United States. You do see um, some people in their backyard, maybe, with a lot of land having time to grow their own garden, but definitely not as prevalent as here in China, and it's a beautiful thing, really. Um, so, Rachel, is that something new here in China? Because uh, I do see a lot more trees being planted and uh, just a lot more green scenes. So, is is that something that's new, uh, the, you taking pride in, um, you know, getting more sustainable energy, getting more of a cleaner environment here, um, as the whole world is like moving towards this clean thing, well, the whole world would like to move towards this uh, clean energy um, solution. So what do, you, what do you have to say about you know, China's perspective on this? 
Yes, um, well, for the green development, I think uh, nowadays Chinese government indeed put a lot of money on it, especially for some like cyber energy development and uh, something like the wind car. Yeah, I, I don't know how. Yeah, yeah, just like the Amsterdam, so, Holland, the yeah Amsterdam. That's yeah, yeah windmills. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you're good. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, we can see the language barriers already coming. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and also, let me think about that. I think. Um, like the water resources nowadays, people they would focus more to protect. Oh yes, and the Chinese government recently issued some strict law to just punish those factories who, because you know that China's got high air pollution somewhere. But we are improving in this part, and uh, we you know that we have made promise on the international states like in stage like in the Paris. Uh, climate mm -hmm. conference, we make that. And I think we governments are promoting this, uh, this promise to become, to realize. So I have a positive perspective on this. Uh, our governments indeed do a lot. Okay, so hi everyone. My name is Rachel. So that's quite good to meet you guys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with the uh, millions of people, what what's China's official uh, population here? Yeah, like the whole country. Like 1.3 billion people. So, like. That's about 10% of the population. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you are gonna have some pollution whenever you have uh, massive cities, and you're gonna have high, uh, you know, pollution rates whenever you have like the world's biggest population or the world's biggest population. It was odds like coming into the country and having that as an idea like, oh, it's gonna be so crowded. But really it was crazy to see how everyone fits in the cities in China. I think I'm speaking for a lot of people in the group. Um, the use of space is absolutely incredible. Yes, the use of space is very incredible. And it's, it's like all the buildings are high rises, but there are a lot of high rise apartments. And everything is utilized between the squares, into the shopping malls, uh, underground, overground. Everything has a purpose and everything serves a greater good for the benefit of everyone. And that's not something you see in uh, some developed countries such as more now I've been to Mexico City. Uh, it's not as clean. I mean, they have the same population, but there's a much more traffic, smog, um, pollution. Uh, the streets are more crowded. Uh, use of space is not as efficient. Uh, it's just a nice, it's pleasant surprise coming from, uh, especially the United States. Yep. All right. Um, so, uh, for the audience back home, I don't want to seem like I'm uh, just trying to suck up just because I'm here in China, <laughs> but uh, I do really think that is nice. Um, the places that they've taken us to have been uh, really beautiful. So. Um, Enough about just the scenery. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit. And uh, do you have something you'd like to start off with? Okay, let's choose. So I wish we would have done like a, a little bingo thing, like just or maybe like a little r spin the wheel of death. Um, 
Oh yeah, does anyone have a like a question just to open up about uh, America or anything for us for our lifestyle, school differences, anything? All right. Hello everyone, my name is Ariel and I'm um, a sophomore um, in the House of International Relations and I'm very nice to meet you guys here. And uh, so I want, just wanted to know, have you guys, I mean, uh, see our campus already? Yeah. We, had a, we had a small uh, tour, guided tour uh, by Gary, who was a great tour guide, by the way. Thank you, Gary. <laughs> Um, and we have done a little bit of hiking and walking ourselves, and it's it's a very interesting campus. Uh, you guys said it's a small campus, and it's huge compared to ours. A lot of hiking. There's um, if just to set a, a small picture, uh, there's an old campus and a new campus. The old campus is a little further down the mountain. Um, there's more traditional style of architecture. Uh, the buildings are a little older, but still uh, very pretty scenery. Uh, just just opposed to the new campus where it's higher up the mountain, uh, which is a longer track. And I applaud you guys for doing that track every morning because I cannot do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be super late to class every day, every day for every class. But it is a very pretty campus. And thank you guys for having us, by the way. Yeah, hence why we hiked up the mountain. Um, we are staying in the uh, foreign residence building, which. Uh, is a sight to see, and I'll tell you more about that later. <laughs> um, but all right, so I want to know the perspective on the South China Sea, and I know we might not be able to get too much into that, but I would just like to hear um, from someone uh, from y you guys' side um, what y'all uh, the Chinese government's perspective on that is. Okay, so I, I would do a. Uh, hi, I, I'm Rachel. I would do a, an official statement, something like that. It is just like, um, because as for the South China Sea, the problem here is that we believe that um, it should be respected, the borderline that was set like 100 years ago. Um, I, I cannot e remember the exact number, but that is, I remember that is in the Qing Dynasty. And that borderline has been set, so we believe that should be respected. Was it set by a uh, treaty of some sort between um, nations in East Asia, or was it a, a Chinese uh, decree upon the South China Sea? Um, well, I remember for that, from the international law perspective, it seems that um, the, the line is decided when the first person find it. So this is an, an problem that because so if you take it strictly, I think maybe more lands that nowadays around, especially some lands like in Japan, no, no offense, but some lands in Japan, something like that, maybe they originally they were discovered by China. So for some other reasons, they were just lost. So. So here is where uh, the American international politics view differs from the Chinese international politics view. And uh, we can see, looking at international, um, international norms now, that normally uh, your country's land runs about 12 nautical miles outside of your country's lines. And then from that, another 200 miles for 
I think aerospace, don't quote me on that, but, um, well, not aerospace, but for like free trade and things like that. Is it 200 nautical miles? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. So um, somewhere around there. And China is, I think, in an area where there are tons of countries within these waters trying to make their claims. And then there's also non-claimants, which is what the United States is. And uh, they're in that position because they would like to maintain free trade amongst all uh, states within the East Asian area. Um, and that's a good transition because I know we can't stay too much on that. Um, so that's a good transition to the TPP, which I know is an old subject, but um, it has been uh, it has been you know heavily debated in the United States and, and around the world. Uh, if you go to Europe, they he heavily debated TTIP, um, which was the European Union and the United States version of um, the free trade agreement. If you don't know what the Trans-Pacific Partnership is, um, it is this decade's version of NAFTA. It is the biggest free trade agreement um, that has ever been made or that would have ever been made. And it included 12 countries. Um, I don't know if I can remember them all, but Mexico, the United States, Japan, uh, South Korea, um, Australia, I believe. Australia, one of them. New Zealand. Um, yeah, Canada. Vietnam, right. Canada. So, what was that? Canada. Canada, yeah, of course, Canada. Can always forgetting about Canadians. <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what America's issue is. We gotta take some lessons from our northern neighbors. They're nice. <laughs> if, can, have you ever met Canadians, actually? Any Canadians? Have you ever met any? Yeah, they're nice, right? Um, not really. No, what? <laughs> oh, wow. Sorry, no offense. Canada, because the, the only person, Hello, I'm Daisy, and also a sophomore from the SISU, and uh, the first Canadian and also the only Canadian I have met is uh, the foreign teacher that when I was in high school. Uh, he's not very responsible for us. He's always drunk when during the class, and when somebody's do, uh, doing some, not uh, the students are not listening to him, he will uh, have say say some really bad words and even argue with them. So I don't really have a good impression, <laughs> even though uh, we had a, a great uh, talks before. Okay, that's it. Um, what a dick. Uh, that, guy, <laughs> that, guy, that guy really uh, ruins the whole thing for the piles. I was gonna talk about Canadians the rest of this podcast. Um, but uh, you'd think the weed would calm them down up north, but I guess it doesn't. <laughs> anyway, uh, so TPP, right? Um, <laughs> all right, uh, so we have here, uh, oh my God. So I'm, I'm terrible with names, obviously. No, oh, Daisy, Daisy, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Um, you just made me crack up about the Canadian teacher. Um, so she is uh, well-versed in the TPP, as am I, and hopefully we can, uh, have some knowledge in this. So, what was China's perspective on the Trans-Pacific Partnership before um, before it went down, before uh, before it got pulled? Yeah. Hello, it's Daisy again. And one month ago, I took part in the Moto APEC, and I represented uh, Canada. And we are talking about uh, free trade agreement in the structure under the structure of Moto. Uh, model APEC and um, TPP is 
for example, a good thing is really a large free trade agreement uh, for especially special for uh, Japan, uh, for Canada, yes. But uh, it's kind of, uh, there, there are some problems there and there are some defeats uh, in, in, because the free trade agreement should not led by any one of the country, but actually in our, in, in the point of our, uh, no matter Chinese people or the people from other countries, uh, the USA is always taking the lead uh, of bef uh, before it went down in your country, and 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 it especially excludes Russia and Russia and China, and we're not happy about it. <laughs> like what Donald Trump said, yes. Um, and this kind of free trade agreement, uh, USA has established this kind of partnership, so China has to find another kind of, so uh, China and some other five countries, they established a partnership with Asian countries. Um, but this kind of uh, competition will actually uh, cause a lot of problems, uh, such as it will um, let all the countries under the structure of APEC, they will not focus on the, uh, the really uh, dialogue plat platform, and that's what I think. Thank you for that insight. Um, so yeah, obviously the TPP, uh, whenever it was in uh, its draft form, did not include China. And the reasons uh, for that, according to the official statement, were um, the Chinese standards of uh, environment and business and intellectual property were not up to code with uh, all the other nations in the uh, agreement. But I have uh, questioned that, and I don't know if any any of you guys, I mean, I know this, that there are some standards that aren't up to code, but at, I'm not sure that, um, for instance, uh, Vietnam, if their standards are up to code either. So I, I don't really know um, what the deal with that is, but I would like to know if you guys have any insight on that, if, if, there's, some, uh, if there's some insight you can offer as to the other countries within East Asia, within the TPP, if they have, uh, you know, the same standards or maybe even lower standards than China. Anyone in the room? <laughs> Do I need to rephrase the question? It was a long question, I understand. Yeah. Exactly. We have no idea because we don't know whether the Indian is going to have those standards. Um, well, um, Rachel here. Um, I mean that um, th this question is a good question, but problem here is that um, just firstly we don't know that other countries' standards. That this is the first problem, and the second is that um, maybe at first Chinese people they may not let this kind of awareness of, protect, of, of the property, uh, intellectual property, property protection, something like that. But nowadays, in many fields, things are changing. Mm -hmm. For example, like now, nowadays we download music and then we download the movies. We need to pay for those pro property, yeah. 
yeah, the copyright. Nowadays, these all things just, they are changing. So um, maybe at first, we Chinese still got um, not so complete. The system is not complete, in, in, includes some in law side, but nowadays, all thing is changing. Yeah, so, but we don't deny that, um, that it may be comparatively compared with the states and uh, some European countries, we indeed got quite low quality, uh, uh, no, standard, but that's will be change, yeah. I think uh, Basil has a question or statement, so I'm passing the mic over here. So Basil, I'm also a student at University of West Florida with uh, Robert, I guess he's graduated, but I was. Um, my question is kind of like piggybacking off of that with the standards, because it also be possible that it involves like the government preference that China gives sometimes to its companies. I know like right now Google had an issue with it and uh, Baidu is now the better search engine here in China and then also with Alibaba and Amazon. A lot of the time the companies have become Uber and Dada. Uh, I think it's Dada or Dida, something like that. Didi, yeah Didi. <laughs> a lot of the companies are almost like duplicates of the American companies and the American companies either aren't allowed in or they're driven out. I don't know if that was also a part of it. If somebody could shed some light on that. Long pause, it's okay. And also I have a question, so. <coughs> so if you can remember what all Basil said and this, uh, I saw a stand that looked like a Dairy Queen and they sold, or they sold, <laughs> sold. I am talking like a marble mouth fuck. It's okay. <laughs> um, they sold blizzards, not blizzards. So if someone can answer that for me, that'd be great. No? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> it has to do with intellectual property, I promise you. There's a, there's a company called uh, Dairy Queen. <laughs> it, was, it was a more of a joking matter, guys. Don't, don't, get, don't get your panties up in a wad. <laughs> It's, it's okay. Okay. And then what happened? Uh, he turned the cone upside down just like Dairy Queen. He was like, look, it doesn't come out. <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing. It's just an American company is all. But that's, that's the kind of thing that um, I guess the TPP is kind of mad at. But at the same time, like, you know, companies, piggy, companies piggyback off each other all the time. Just, uh, I guess, whenever it comes to, uh, like, branding something. It's a really big thing in a capitalist society, and uh, I guess that's that's something that um, Americans citizens need to uh, communicate more, um, especially with their patents, because patents patents get stolen all the time, um, even in the U.S. Yeah. And it's a big deal. So, um, you want to you want to talk about patents? No, you don't have to talk about patents. I don't, I don't know if the viewers at home really want to listen about patents. Yeah, that's fine. Do you, do you have a patent? No, I don't have a patent either. I need to get one. You want to talk? You want to know? You want to know? The answer? All right. You, do you have the answer, Rachel? No, I just think that if assuming that we, assuming that the Chinese government helped those big companies like our domestic companies, but the problem here is that Let's assume that if the government just open up, open it up totally, and let Uber come into the Chinese market, and at that time we don't have, we didn't have DD, and so which means that maybe we 
Chinese, we cannot get some ch uh, brand. We may cannot compete with this company in China even though. So I don't believe that only China have this kind of trade protection. I think, or, or we can call it trade protection or other ways protection. I, I mean, each country will have this kind of protection. I think um, this is what, and, and also the Google and the, you mean the Google, the searching engine, Google and the Baidu. Um, it is that the Chinese government at first, they let Google in, but the Google don't want to just want do what we government want, the, like the information limited limitation, this kind of stuff. So they are out for a certain reason. So that's cannot say. And I, I don't think that's many just, it should be defined to each country's situation. Yeah, I think the states always it's almost like the winner in this world. And the other countries, they need some like living space, developing space, something like that. Yeah. I also think um, this is scary. And I, <coughs> I also think it's, can, it's something to do with localization. And I think that sometimes people are getting used to, to Baidu. And Baidu's Chinese version is, uh, for most people who are not major in English, they are better, t they are got used to Baidu, I think. And also, I don't think, uh, 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 some, something that you, sh you, you said is true, maybe there is a duplicate version, but that's not totally true in my uh, opinion. You, you can see Ch Chinese people is uh, get used to copy things, whatever you said, but they truly added some very additional functions, such as, um, you may say that WeChat is something to do, or QQ Tencent is something to like MSN, but MSN, yeah. But but what was I know that. But now you know WeChat has a function of paying, paying. Yes, QR codes. I mean, I mean really paying. Uh, I mean the uh, WeChat uh, wallet. But I, I know that uh, it, uh, because I do some investigation about the searching energy and also I know there is a lot of uh, chat app such as messenger which is is belong to Facebook I think but uh, they didn't get the paying things and they can uh, from these things I think Alipay is very famous in China but there is no very good company can compete with Alipay in American or in some other uh, other other countries yeah, I know PayPal. PayPal is like a union, union, but it's not totally like Alipay. And that's my yeah, point. And also, you know, nowadays, if you went to, if you go to some places like Hangzhou uh, in China, you would find that you go everywhere you use your cell phone, it's all right. You know, when you take taxi or you want somewhere to live or you buy everything, even you just want to the market to buy a veg some vegetables or meats, you all can use Alipay. Yeah, and I think that's something different, like yeah, mistakes. Yeah, and also um, like the Amazon. Um, I think nowadays we have the logistic. Logistic. We have really developed logistic. Many of my friends in uh, abroad they don't get used to that because you when you buy things in Taobao you just get it quickly just one or two days, but it seems if you buy in Amazon, it's several days. So 
maybe we um, at first we learn we just learn something and then later we change it and uh, we make it better I think that yeah and we are trying to make by ourselves nowadays yeah okay yeah here introduce yourself Okay, so hi, this is Lily, and there are two things that I want to mention about. So firstly, it's about the copyright, because, <coughs> sorry for that. Basically, everything is made in China, even in most of the foreign countries uh, that you know, uh, because we, we are the huge country, and uh, we have the uh, largest population around the world, and uh, basically, foreign, most of the foreigners said that uh, we fake everything. That's because um, our, uh, like, you know, the economy situation is very extreme in China because poor, poor, poor people can be very poor and rich people can be very rich. And those poor people uh, which cannot pay for the luxury things and cannot pay for the high price things and be fake. And those people are of a large amount. So that's why, and but uh, I think the good thing about it is because our technology is improving, so uh, especially the high technology, so we are developing and changing it. And uh, about the copyright, the music, because I'm a huge fan of Taylor Swift. Uh, like two years ago or three years ago, uh, I can listen to Taylor's song whenever, uh, whatever website that I uh, uh, connect in Chinese website. But now I have to pay for her song, but I'd, I'd love to. And uh, Chinese, Chinese people are getting more attention on the like a cultural copyright and especially like the books and the published things. And the second problem that I want to mention about is a politic sensitive. Uh, because China is a quite special country, you all know China's like a politic system. And uh, if the foreign brand or the foreign company want to uh, do their business in China and they have to talk to our government fir first and they have to change something. And uh, we want to, Chinese local people, if we want to connect to the foreign website, we have to use VPN. We don't have any free access to the foreign website. So that's why maybe uh, those foreign companies are always comp complaining about the Chinese like trade, uh, trade policies because they have to um, talk to our government first and maybe change a little bit of their policies and that's all. And about intellectual poverty, I think these things it was come from by the American or by the Western countries at least. Uh, Chinese, uh, the awareness of Chinese intellectual poverty is increasing. But, you know, this whole system is raised uh, by the Western countries. So, uh, so I think uh, it is reasonable for the Chinese people, uh, now uh, uh, Chinese people do something you guys think is illicit, is illegal. But, uh, uh, and uh, don't, uh, I, I, I have some defense on Chinese people. Uh, that's one point one. And I know that in the DVD, DVD area, and my teacher told me that uh, at that time, uh, some uh, foreign teachers, they came to Chongqing, and they know that the, uh, at, at that time, of course, DVD, uh, uh, that, that's not the official version. Of course, it's, it, it also uh, betray, betray the, the, the intellectual property, but the foreigner teacher will purchase those so-called, not official version. 
So that's also the problems. Yeah, Americans do bootleg a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of um, intellectual properties. Uh, I'm not gonna say I did it or not, but you know, some people do it. You know, my aunt used to sell them at her house. She moved though, so you can't really find her. <laughs> um, yeah, Gary, I understand what you're saying, um, but the the perspective of intellectual property is that there does need to be some sort of uh, you know first claim, like. Uh, if you invented the next best thing, like if you invented the iPhone, um, wouldn't you want to have intellectual property over that, and someone not, you know, make a uh, make another phone that was touchscreen and get everyone off the flip phones? You know, I know some people want to go back to that, but it's the future. We're here, <laughs> um, and uh, I have something written down. Let me look at it. Oh, VPNs, yeah, um, I just renewed my VPN not too long ago, so. <laughs> um, how do you guys feel about that, just knowing that uh, there, is, there is a lot of information that you cannot access here in China? It, it's, uh, especially as students. Yeah, especially as students needing to do research on topics like these and needing to know other perspectives. I, I was trying to search today without the VPN um, issues between uh, the U.S. and China, and I could not get to any of the United States sites to see the perspective of the Westerners. So that's one thing that I think uh, needs to open up is the dialogue between the citizens of each country because, like, uh, like you said, Rachel, um, a couple of days ago, whenever you think about countries, you think about the politics, but really the people should be separated from the politics. And I think that's how everyone in the whole world feels. Um, it's just the people in power in any country, besides that one dude in Uruguay that's uh, just chilling in his beetle bug and his like old beat down house, he's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> but yeah, everyone needs to realize that for the most part uh, around the world that people want peaceful solutions to world problems. Yeah. It's uh, the questions about um, the VPN, right? Well, well, hello, hello, that's Chelsea, and uh, about VPN, I have two perspectives. The first one is I heard a few weeks ago about from my foreign friends. They say it's maybe a good protection for Chinese people to say something. Yeah, they say it's maybe a good way to protect ourselves, especially Chinese. Something bad, such as videos, some some bad things, pornographer. Uh, uh, that's so many. So as is one foreign friend told me that. So they think maybe it's a good way, but from my personal perspective, especially when I writing my graduate paper this year, yeah, I'm a senior now. So when I have VPN, I go to the Google and I find a new world. <laughs> yeah, totally different content when I compare with when I uh, uh, search on the, on the Baidu engine, but when I get to the Google, it's totally different uh, content. I can search a lot of information, especially from foreign um, writers about their opinion about this thing. So, I think um, actually, if we lead 
if we need to go on Google, we can because we have VPN. So maybe it's a it's a good way for now university students. They have one way to access to the world. But some some people that maybe for the ordinary people like my parents, they don't need they do, they don't need it. They just maybe they just focus on the China. But but so for university students like us. If we want access to the and to the whole world, we have one way, so it's okay for us. We have VPN, even we have to buy it or other apps can help us, but it's okay. I can just, yeah, I'm fine now for this. So you're a fan of VPN is what you're saying, yeah. <laughs> so because we are, you know, model UN students and um, we're all here uh, in that basis, do you think there are potential resolutions or changes, or what do you think could be done or should be done in regards to VPNs and student access to this kinds of information? Not just necessarily, but like if you guys are interested. Yeah. Uh, actually, such as uh, students like us, we learning foreign languages. We urgently to late find some adaptive. Uh, materials to help us to learn foreign languages, not only videos. Actually, in English is not a small language for us now, especially for some French, Germany, and Spanish. It's kind of small language, maybe more important for them to find relative materials to have, help them to study. So. Uh, our teachers often told us we need VPN, so we will try to learn how to access to the VPN. So, so maybe government won't allow that, but it's okay for us. We can find another way to do that. Maybe it's a little bit protest, but it's okay. So. <laughs> you had something? Okay. Um, I'm going to let Jody go over here because we haven't heard from Jody yet, and then we'll pass it over here. I was actually gonna jump back just a little bit. I am Jody, like you said. Yes, that would be me. I am a recent graduate of the University of West Florida, just like Robert and Eduardo. And um, I wanted to jump back to something that Daisy had actually said earlier about um, the Chinese opinion of being left out of a lot of deals by the United States. And um, I know that especially recently, China has taken a lot of initiative to kind of help up and coming countries and really invest in their resource development, uh, especially that of Sub-Saharan Africa. Um, they're really helping to get into hardwood trade, diamond trade, um, any pockets of oil that are found. China is China and Russia both are the first people to jump in and offer the infrastructure needed to really tap into those resources. Do you think that this you know, initiative to help these up and coming countries is because of the frustration from being left out of deals with the United States? That's a really good question. Um, you, got, you got something, Rachel? Here you go. Uh, as for, I, I think the initiative you want to talk about is the Belt Road. It's kind of like um, not the Pacific side, it's go to the Europe side and also to the Africa, this kind of initiative. In fact, it is uh, one of the reasons, of course, it is that TPP just give Chinese people a kind of feeling that block China out. 
and uh, so so China needs to explore more. And also you talk about the infrastructure <coughs> side. It is not only help, help. It is also, this is a win-win decision. It's just like, uh, I remember that Barack Obama, when he was the president, he once said that Chinese people always thumb a lift during the, just those public service go out just like what Americans did last century, like 1990s, that they deliver a lot of public service, like many companies, banking, this kind of things go to China and factories come to China because we have just lower price labors, this kind of things. And China also do this kind of things now. We want, we are developing, we want more country join us. And also we want to share this with this world. And at the same time, we also can gain a lot from this, just like the, America, the states they right. did, yeah. So this is a win-win for many countries, yeah. Um, I, am I answer the questions? Yeah. Um, okay, so there is like a, a section of the American population that really see this progression of China into other countries and their assistance kind of uh, almost threatening to America itself in the way that they seem to think that it's kind of a, a Chinese takeover, if you will. And I think that's, that's probably a very extreme side of things where people will see it like that. But um, what are your guys' opinions on that side of it, if any? Judy, you mean that the, the America would think that America also be blocked <laughs> from the Belt of Road? No, you know, no, no, actually, because just recently, Donald Trump, they, he was showed that a kind of interest to the initiative. Yeah, so it seems that it has the possibility that also U.S. will, will just in that we have some, you know, bank, uh, Asia infrastructure bank, something like that. It seems that Americans also want to get in. So don't, 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 just don't be annoyed by this. America definitely wants in on uh, on these <laughs> trade deals. I mean, I'm, the the Asian pivot is what we call um, this day and age. Whenever it comes to trade in East Asia, and America tried to do that through the TPP, and uh, obviously uh, China wasn't completely blocked out. There was still room for China to work its way in. The um, the reason why the Chinese were mad is because they were not able to draft the rules of the TPP. There was, there was a way for China to get into the TPP. It could have happened, um, but it could have happened years down the road after the deal had been made. And the TPP, as Donald Trump would say, it was a bad deal. You know, it, it was a real bad deal. I have a bad Donald Trump impression, so it's bad. But I, I really did not like the uh, intellectual property laws of the TPP in the first place. Um, so I'm glad it did not happen. But at the same time, um, the way it, the TPP was brought to the public after it got out into the public, uh, because it was a, sec a secretive deal, Barack Obama and his administration, or President Obama and his administration, tried to do a backroom TPP deal. And then it got out to the American people, and people started to read it, and they said, oh wait, there's 20 years for 
this patent on this medicine for it to be up. So you're going to pay out the ass for this medicine, especially if you're in another country here in China. So China would have to pay thousands, millions of you know American dollars for specific name brand uh, uh, medical or medicines when normally patents run out not in 20 years, a much shorter time. Um, they, they become much cheaper. They go, f like ibuprofen goes from being hundreds of dollars per bottle to like four dollars. It's, it's amazing what happens whenever generic versions can get a hold of the intellectual property and do things, and it was just way too long. Um, I know Basil had something to say, as did you, Lily number two, so I'll give it over to you. So I was thinking about more about VPN because um, <coughs> I have a quite different view uh, with, uh, with Chelsea uh, because I think our Chinese students have access to VPN to uh, can get us uh, attached to the foreign website. It's because our government didn't do like extreme sanction on this and they are giving us the way to find the new world outside China. So I think maybe the, our government is like um, trying to, they're trying to like create something or maybe create a new law. Maybe <coughs> because, because we have a free access to VPN. So that's, that means we are free to the foreign website. So basically we can watch everything on the foreign website. So uh, basically that's, that's what I want to mention about. That's it. All right, uh, Basil, you still you still have your thought in your head. Yeah. All right, here you go. All right, mine was on the sub-Saharan Africa comment. So back, so I was born in Kenya, so I understand it a little bit. A lot of the pivot sub-Saharan Africa has towards China is because a lot of the time, say like in Kenya, we have something called Vision 2030, where by 2030, we want to be an advanced country. We want to have like our super highways and our interstates and skyscrapers. And we would like to come to America to build those things, but America's money and America's uh, contracts always come with strings attached. So they want us to change this law, change that law, while the Russians and the Chinese, they just want to know, you got the money? All right, we'll build it. And then they leave. So that's what's happening in a lot of uh, South Africa and uh, Sub-Saharan Africa, sorry, especially on the West Coast. I know um, China, I forget what it's called, but they're building like a really big port in, I think it's Namibia or Botswana. And that was basically, at the end of the day, was China is just going to build it and leave while America wants to have a bunch of strings attached and they want us to change our rules and our way of life. That's a very interesting perspective, actually. Um, I'm sure a lot of people will think so as well. Um, it seems as if whenever America does come to uh, different states offering their companies like McDonald's or something like that, they would, or big construction jobs, they would like to use their workers maybe. Is that <coughs> some of the strings that you're talking about? No, it's... I mean, it's a sensitive topic, but I'll say, but like in Kenya, for example, um, President Obama came to Kenya and he gave a speech basically saying if Kenya wants to continue to get you know, some type of help from the United States, they need to change their homosexuality laws. Well, that's like a way of life for people in Kenya. And a lot of times the rules aren't really enforced, 
but the president of Kenya basically got up right after President Obama and said, hey, you know, I understand that's a concern for Americans, but I'm trying to get running water to my people right now. I'm trying to get electricity to my people right now. That's not really my concern. So those, that type of stuff has happened in Uganda as well. It's happened in Rwanda, a lot of like East Africa. So different scenarios like that where it might be like a hot button issue in America and they want to get that like, type of mentality all around the world, but people aren't accepting to that. While China, they don't ask us about what our laws are. They just say, well, do you have the contract? Okay, we'll build it. I think, uh, I think that does come stem from the, uh, I guess, uh, politically correct culture that's been rising up in America. And a lot of people don't agree with that, but we see laws um, being made in America that are shaping the country for a, a very minute portion of society. Like, uh, I, I, not stating my stance either way on transgender issues, but transgender issues are one of those, um, uh, one of those trigger buttons that um, the government's, you know, looking into it and forcing companies to change their policies on bathrooms and it's affecting all sorts of different sects of societies like uh, uh, hardcore Christians or even moderate Christians who uh, think, or even everyday people who don't want to share their bathroom with someone who's maybe switched genders or claim they're another gender, something like that. So, yeah, it does seem like America needs to um, be more about of its more about its business going into other states and not trying to change policies of every country they enter into. It it should be more of a corporate thing rather than a, uh, a state a state coming and trying to shape the policies of another state. I see what you're saying. Um, someone had something, right? No? You have something? Okay. Um, hello, this is Ariel, and uh, I just want to talk uh, something briefly. Uh, I have three points to mention, and ju because just now the topic changes so quickly that I sometimes cannot ca catch up with you guys. Yeah, so I just make some a little uh, conclusion here. And the first thing I want to talk about is VPN. You know, uh, uh, actually, um, I, I use it myself uh, act rather rather late because uh, I just download the first uh, VPN application in my mobile phone uh, at this um, winter hall, winter vacation and uh, and I maybe I, I think I use it for a, a day or two and I might and I was attracted by something else and then I just let it on my phone and I didn't use it very regularly but actually every day uh, my Twitter and my Facebook were just um, uh, in my, yeah, and they, they just remind me, oh, Donald Trump just tweeted on Twitter and blah, 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 and the, yeah, and BBC just blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah actually, I think um, my life, it's not very far away from the world outside. Yeah, I can get information um, just right on my mobile phone whenever I want. I just sometimes been too lazy to <laughs> just, yeah, you know, so, so I think the, the, the situation in China, in China will be, um, Will will get improved a lot in the future, and um, we can see the uh, the changes among college students, especially our uh, students like us who majors in English, uh, in other in foreign languages. We are better to get understanding to the knowledges outside. Yeah, and I'm actually I'm myself are. Um, I am fully confident at this uh, situation. And another thing that you guys mentioned is intellectual property. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I know that uh, the things, the situation, um, maybe see from the world outside may be tough, but uh, actually because uh, we as Chinese citizens, we can feel the changes, the changes too, because um, uh, actually when, when, when we were in a younger age, maybe our, uh, in, in our teenage years, uh, in our high, middle school or high school, and we were, uh, at that time, we were crazy about um, fiction books, yeah. Uh, it was a trend among all the Chinese students. Yeah, and at that time, actually, the fiction books, uh, the the trend of copy of copying them, were very serious. Were in very serious situation. And uh, but but now, but now those mistakes that some that those people made, they are now I mean, being uh, pointed out. They were being criticized even by some official websites and official, uh, you know, by by some official organizations. And we can see the situation is still getting much better, yeah. And these are, these are things, these are changes that is happening in China. And they're the good changes that, which are, I mean, they are not so uh, easy for you to, to get access to, but we are in it, we are feeling it, so. And another, and another thing that I want to mention is that, uh, the, the lady here who you just mentioned that, in China, we help the African countries. And, I mean, a lot of infrastructures and things like that. Um, if you, you are worrying if we are going to like taking the world or something like that, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, just just a discussion, yeah. yeah. And I want to say say um, what I want to say is that um, because because my second major is Chinese, yeah, and I have some deep interest in traditional Chinese culture. And you know, the, the basic, the, the core of traditional Chinese culture is harmony. Yeah, there, there is a, um, you know, you know, you know, harmony, yeah. Um, there is a, there is a, a sentence in our, uh, in our traditional, um, you know, Confucius, you know Confucius? Look, look, um, there is a, uh, there is a, um, uh, there is a sentence that I remember, uh, which is, um, I mean, it's related to, related to the Confucius theories. That is that fan shi ren jie shi ai tian tong fu di tong zai, which means that we should love everyone beyond the sky, beyond uh, on the globe, because we are all human beings. That is exactly how we think for thousands of years. Do you know, you can understand yeah. that. Yeah, you know, in the World War II, when the Jewish are being, uh, they were they were being, um, I would say, they were they were. Treated, treated very, treated very badly by the Nazi, by the government, uh, the 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 Germany government. You know, at that time, the European they, they have to they have to uh, go out of European as uh, as refugees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, at that time, China, Shanghai, we we are we are actually the the safest place for them. At, and at that time. Um, Thousands and thousands of, of, of Jewishes they went to they came to Shanghai for searching for shelters and Chinese gov both Chinese governments and Chinese um, ch people treat them uh, like like families. They uh, actually in Harbin we have the second uh, we have the uh, the second largest um, graveyard of, for Jewishes outside uh, outside Israel. You know, we have the lar second largest in Harbin. So uh, what I want to mention is that we help, we, well, we, well, we are doing the things to help the people uh, outside our country, which is, it's not, we want to, want some paybacks. Yeah, of course, we maybe have some, I mean, it's a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but not, that, that is not just the, 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 the most basic thing. The most basic thing is that we, that is how we are, that is how we are educated for thousands of years. That is how we thought. I mean, it's maybe a little bit same like the humanism, human, humanity, 
Yeah, yeah, and that, that you guys hope that it's, it's just the same. We have Confucianism, you have, you, in Bible, the, you are told by God that you should love others. Yeah, that is, that is how we think the same. Yeah, I hope you can understand. Thank you. And I think that's a great point, and I want to say thank you, because that really changes like, the, the opinions that people have all the time about this issue. I think hearing something like that from a, a native Chinese woman it really could change that view. So thank you so much. All right. Um, yeah, I, I do want to say that ever since we've been in China, we've had nothing but the uh, the kindest and warmest um, welcome. Uh, and it's it wasn't surprising because I've always heard Chinese people are very friendly. And uh, it was just nice to know that that is actually true. Um, I want to hit a couple more topics before we have to leave at like 9.30. Um, so we have a couple more topics uh, to go. So I would like to know um, Chinese, the Chinese perspective on the North Korea situation. Um, it's a very difficult situation considering um, the U.S., the United States attempt to keep nu uh, North Korea from uh, obtaining a nuclear weapon and now they have one and they're working on having interballistic missile um, abilities, uh, intercontinental ballistic missile capabilities that could reach the U.S., and they already have capabilities to reach um, Japan, South Korea, obviously, and other nations um, right in there. So I would really like to know what the perspective uh, from you guys is on that. Okay. When we talk about uh, the relationship between China and North Korea, uh, I can use one sentence. We can be friends in one moment, and next moment we can be enemy. Yeah, if um, we both know that in the in the past 50 years, North Korea and China are uh, very good friends. We know that we fight together. So. But it's a friendship history, maybe I can say that, but after 20, 50 years later, the, the president of North Korea did something which is uh, really uh, harmful for China because we are a cross border. So sometimes if uh, North Korea do something which is very harmful for China, China will hate back. So it, it's become enemy in one moment. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, and uh, we were being taught, uh, we were being taught that Chinese people are friends uh, of North Korean because in the North Korean War, like I, I didn't remember, I don't remember what time is it. Um, yeah, actually, <laughs> thank you. And actually, Chinese helped a lot of North Korean people to fight back Americans, and as well as Japanese, and and will help them to win their country back. But now, uh, uh, what our Chinese citizens uh, see on our internet and we heard from our government is that uh, we, our government is trying to urge the North Korea's government to uh, get back to the six-party talks because uh, we've tried several times, but it didn't work. And uh, they failed of closing their missile test every time. 
uh, of course, they failed every time, and they didn't success. But if it works, it will be a huge threat to China because uh, we've been told that it's uh, it's like harmful range uh, will get to the like Dongbei, the north, east. the northeast of China, uh, the very huge part of China, and the most important part of China. So. Uh, yeah, and that is a huge threat to China. So uh, basically, we urge them to stop it, and uh, we are not helping them to develop it. And uh, we want it. Or we want a peaceful uh, East Asia environment. Yeah, that's it. So North Korea does have the capability to reach China with a missile. Now they, the latest failed test was a intercontinental ballistic missile, which could reach the United States. So if it can reach the United States, it can well reach China. Um, it's, the concern is not the relationship between like um, North Korea and China. We, we know that you guys maintain an open re trade relationship with almost any nation, right? So, or maybe every nation, I'm not really clear on that. The problem would lie in the policies of the North Korean government, um, which is known to be an oppressive regime under the United States perspective and the different laws that they hold. So it, we would just, uh, the American perspective is we want to see more cooperation on urging North Korea to become more progressive. And uh, that's basically what our perspective is. You have something to say, Rachel? Yeah. Here you go. So here the problem is that our Chinese governments always don't think that uh, try to reverse other countries' regime is a good idea, or um, do some try to change uh, a country's political situation is a good idea because just like what happened nowadays in Syria, you you just put if you put Assad off the of the of the, the 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 president, and then who will replace it? And now we know it's not good. In fact, so we always will not stand for want to just change this region. So even if that regime holds the view that people should be born in prison camps, even if uh, their great grandfather has committed a crime against the regime, oh. like uh, like. I understand what you're saying. Nation building is not a perspective that I think should be right. But at the same time, um, international law or something has to be done. Sanctions can be made against states that have these kind of policies that um, do commit genocide. Because what happens in a situation where a country is committing genocide and the government supports it? So we will come back to the question that now are, today the Security Council argued most fiercely that the evidence, yeah, who give the evidence and uh, who can support it, it's sometimes just, you cannot figure out what is true and what is false. So that's why you are just, you can, sometimes even ourselves cannot just confirm that not whether North Korea put out the genocide or how large, scale of that, no one know if that's true or not. No one know because everything seems there is 
quite strange, you know, sometimes because it's just so secret, everything so mysterious for this country. Yeah, and we don't actually want something happen like in Iraq uh, when Bush told, uh, told people in America that they have nuclear weapons and then it go in and there's no, so there is something, yeah, yeah. this is the argue points, I think. Yeah. Great points made about the Middle East, you guys. And uh, of course, the Middle East is its own topic, and we could tackle that in a five-hour podcast, really. So it, the Middle East, to me, is a completely different issue than, uh, like, all, every individual state is a different issue, for that matter. But the Middle East as a whole definitely has a uh, long history, a very tumultuous histo- history, especially uh uh, dealing with Israel, but we won't get to that since this is a, a tough topic and I'd like to hit a couple others and we only have uh, how, many, how much longer do we have? Maybe 10 minutes. Okay, so we'll move on from this topic. I, I really want to talk about it more, but uh, I really want to hit other things. Uh, a good um, segue would be cybersecurity. Um, I don't know if you know this, but maybe the U.S. has been running some uh, tests uh, and, it, well, I don't know this either, but uh, when North Korea's, North Korean missiles fail, it can't, it doesn't always have to be a uh, mechanical issue. It can sometimes be a uh, cyber issue. And uh, the U.S. has been known uh, to put out viruses and stuff to uh, harm uh, weapons and such, and facilities that uh, the U.S. doesn't see uh, fit to be ran, like in Iran, uh, the U.S. put out the Stuxnet, vi- Stuxnet virus that took out a lot of nuclear receptors because the United States doesn't believe in nuclear Iran, which uh, I, I'm kind of on the side of, yeah, I don't want Iran to have nuclear weapons. <laughs> That's just me. But um, so we see a lot of cyber activity going on. And even yesterday, there was a massive cyber attack, uh, claimed to be hackers. Um, hacked into over 150 different countries, including China and uh, Britain and others, and the virus originated from the NSA, uh, the National Security Association in the United States, which is a very secretive association, and uh, it's been found out to have been spying on hundreds of thousands of Americans and uh, people around the world, so. <laughs> um, yeah, how's that, how's, how's the cyber security make you feel, I guess? Um, how does the NSA make you feel that it's got reaching hands all over the world? We can start with you. Uh, okay. So um, about cybersecurity, I know that, um, in fact, I'm not too familiar about this topic, and I think there must be some like international framework on this. Um, I think maybe I can do this <laughs> under this discussion. and. Uh, I know that there are some hacker attack between the U.S. and America. It's kind of you know internet war <laughs> that just in a couple of years ago. But um, that's not good. And uh, I am an internet idiot almost. So it's <laughs> so, so it's it's just horrible. I think. And uh, um, so I think it's cooperation should be. Do more, and I think there's something about intern because nowadays we know that in what can limit those countries to do this kind of job, it, you should have the law, you have, should have this in system, and we know that 
we cannot rely on the international law because that is not just so kind of powerful. Yeah. yeah. So here comes the question is that the country's cooperation and uh, the, or we, we can go in that way, the trust between the countries. Yeah, because we don't trust each other, so we try to do this kind of job. That's not good, of course. And nowadays we know that ISIS and also have this issues like the ISIS, like the extreme Islamist or some this kind of power also get involved into it. So it's kind of become a way for them to raise money or whatever. So it's more complicated and all governments should work together, I think, in this part. So. I mean, all of these topics we've been covering today are very uh, complicated and in no way uh, us getting together in, in a room and talking about them is going to make the world better. But it, it might make it better on an individual level. And opening up a dialogue uh, is, is great, especially like this between um, two groups of people that on a normal day never get to meet. Um, it's been great. I, I really would like to get to some more, um, but I don't want to be cut off by uh, anyone, so we're going to go ahead and cut it short. Thank you guys so much um, for having this discussion, and uh, I really hope that uh, more of these discussions can be had, not just by me, but by others uh, looking to you know, achieve the same objectives as I am, and that's opening up dialogues between different people and taking in new perspectives and also uh, just getting to learn more. Um, it's been very insightful. Thank each and every one of you for being here, and uh, let's go hike back down that mountain. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Those kids were fast as lightning. In fact, it was a little bit frightening. But they fought with expert timing. There were funky Chinamen from funky Chinatown. They were chopping back up. Funky Chinamen. From funky Chinatown. Ni hao. How was that, guys? Hope you enjoyed it. Um, it was definitely uh, one of the best memories I have about going over there and getting to meet everyone. Um, thank you for everyone who listened. Um, it's been an experience. I can't wait to start kicking these podcasts out week after week with Davis. Um, we're going to talk about everything under the sun, sports, politics, um, reviews about anything so if you have ideas shoot them my way um a couple things um in the podcast that i didn't touch on in the intro that i wanted to or in the actual podcast um <clears throat> clarification on the 12 or 200 nautical miles um for the nine dash line regarding the south china sea the un law states <clears throat> sorry excuse me um the un law states it's 200 nautical miles out of the land barrier so there you go. That's a uh, clarification on that. <clears throat> and also another thing, <clears throat> I didn't want to say it during the podcast about uh, the whole Confucius love and happiness and rainbows and unicorns kind of thing, but uh, 
China is one of the oldest states that we know of. And during their history, or not during their history, but throughout their history, they have been a state of warring dynasties that have gone back and forth with each other. And it was only until the mid-1900s that, uh, that this idea of Confucianism came up. So when, when uh, you listen to that in the podcast, definitely you should have taken that with a grain of salt. And um, I just didn't want to, you know, be like, yeah, no, you're, you're wrong. Like in their home, like, like I didn't, I didn't feel, I didn't feel right. But um, that's why I'm back here and I can say whatever I want. And um, yeah, other than that, I didn't really have any issues with uh, any of the points. If you uh, heard something in the podcast that you might've taken issue with, um, shoot, shoot it my way, shoot the sound bite my way, or even if you don't do that, um, you know, mark what time it was and say it, and, uh, maybe we can, um, maybe we can find some common ground or maybe I'll even, uh, recant whatever I said or, you know, double down on it. Um, I'm still young. I'm still changing my mind on different policies and stuff like that. And, uh, I look to use this podcast as a tool to grow and learn more. So, um, you know, I, I know that whenever it comes to politics, things tend to get heated, but uh, I like to try to keep a calm head and uh, figure out the best solution or maybe even a uh, compromise solution between the two sides. And I try to present the two sides of each, you know, of each um, each state, whether it be China and uh, the United States or Russia and the United States. Or, you know, I just I just like to uh be able to take both sides and look at it and try to try to find a good a good middle ground. But uh thank you guys very much for listening. Um tune in next time. Three, two, one. tuned in to a higher frequency.